What's up everyone, it is September 24th, 2019, welcome into this edition of Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen of Cascadia Preps and I am joined by Jackson Gardner of Kook Fan. We're not going to have Luke Monger on tonight, yes. uh, but we'll probably get, we're, we're going to get something up later in the week with Luke, Ma- Luke Monger on, kind of give him a chance to, to talk. But uh, So right now I'm trying to figure out, you know, this WSU lost to UCLA, what is the yeah. shelf life of it? Because I mean, WSU will try and tell you, you know, oh, 24 hours and we don't even remember it anymore. They've already forgotten about it, right? Yeah, the 24 hour rule, right? Isn't this such a convenient week for us to not have Luke here just so we can just talk for a full 60 minutes or however long we choose to go just about uh, WSU losing in the worst way fat or worst way possible. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it it seems so far, it seems like they have they have, you know, the 24 hour rule in effect right now it doesn't seem like people are are too uh you know over emotional about it leach was a little more direct this morning or this afternoon i should say he was an hour late that was uh pleasant to to wait for but um was that you related know, at all this to his frustration no or, or no i mean I, I don't think so he'll he usually shows up about i mean it was particularly late he usually does show up late anywhere from you know 15 to half an hour <laughs> But I mean, this was this one was an yeah. Well, you don't want to be the you don't want it to be the one time where he actually shows up on time, and then you're 15 minutes late. Opening the door and making yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's tough. But uh, no, I mean, it it seems like people are are moving on, focusing their their attention to Utah because you know got another game, and and Utah is also coming off a loss right now. Well, it's a fact that certain losses are like so devastating that they literally can affect the trajectory of your program. I don't think this is it. Like, I, I was trying to compare it to you know the Seahawks not throwing it on the one, uh, not running it on the oh, one yard line, no. or like I don't know uh, the Packers. Remember when they blew it in the NFC Championship? Against well, yeah, the I mean, Seahawks? It can't. It's a regular season. It's week four. Well, you no, know, it's, it's way too early in the season, and it it doesn't decide. Like, it doesn't end your season. Um, it, you can recover it from it very quickly if you beat Utah. I mean, yeah, this looked as a pretty distant memory. It does. It certainly raises the stakes in a particularly competitive uh, Pac-12 North. I will say that. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's you know, it's not the end of the world, but it, it does raise the stakes here a little bit. Um, yeah, less room, particularly for going in to Utah, who also, I mean, if you're looking, if you're at Utah right now. There's a little more uncertainty in the Pac-12 South, but you've just taken a loss to USC, and now you know you're you're the you're the favorite to come out of the Pac-12 South. If you want to stay there, you can't be dropping very more ball games. So you know you know you're going to get a good Utah, regardless if they don't have uh well they don't have Zach Moss for next week, and and we we are yet to know about Tyler Huntley. So I mean, regardless of those two guys are going to be there, you're still going to get a good game from Utah. Well, one thing that should be brought up a little bit more is how, you know, at this time last year, uh, WSU was coming off a loss to USC Mm -hmm. and, you know, got Utah the week after that. Very similar situation. Yeah. I mean, is there any takeaways that like this WSU team is using, like, like how they reacted the following week? Uh, Because based off their experiences from last season. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good question. Um, and, And, you know, we obviously, we wanted to make the comparison, from that UCLA game to the 2014 Cal game where, where Connor Halliday threw for like, what was it, 734 yards, you know, breaking Pac-12 WCU single game record. Like that, that's obviously the game you want to to compare this one with, and that's where your mind goes first. 
But that USC game as well, week four, you know, losing that game, the the, the devastation, I will say, was, was, was comparable. Yes, was very comparable. comparable in terms of the heartbreak of the loss. So we found out a lot about the W the 2018 WSU team after that loss going on and what was winning s- seven games in a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that would be the, seven until, 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 yeah. Until UW. So now here's sort of our opportunity to figure out about this 2019 WSU team. What, what's the response here? And what is interesting is that we kind of figured last year that, Oh, you well, you know, with such great leadership like Pelour, Minshew, Gardner Minshew, Jalen Thompson, Jalen Thompson, you know, Nick, Be- all these great leaders, that of course they responded, you know. But then this year, and, and we kind of talked throughout the off season. Well, what does this team's leadership look like? And everyone, you know, from from WSU's camp said, oh, the leadership is is fine. We, you know, it's that's, easy to that's say that not when, an issue. And, and you're right. It's easy to it's, say that. But, you know, there was a lot of things they said, like, well, you know, we don't need a fearless leader because that's what coaches are for. Well, you know what? And in game like that, when that's the kind of situation, the leadership of a coach doesn't go as far as what a Peyton Pluer presents on the field, you know? Yeah, it's you like can, oh, you a can't lot of people ex- have played football before. And yeah, so I think, where you I turn think to somebody a, on the field. Yeah, and I think in a sense that. That take from from Lee, I mean, no, Leach made it. Tracy Clay's made it. A lot of a lot of, um, or at least those are the two that I can remember. I I can't remember if more coaches made that point, but I feel like it's kind of exposing that point a little bit. You know? Yeah, put your money where your mouth is. Like if you if you claim uh, yeah. that it's up to the coaches to be the leaders, like now now is your chance to prove it a little bit. Yeah, and I just I well yeah, and I just feel like that game right there, that's that's a perfect example of where. Player leadership is what is what matters. You well, know that's what carries that weight. Jalen Thompson was out there in a the secondary during that second half. There's absolutely yeah. no way the secondary uh, melts down in that same fashion. You know, I, I you know, yes, and I think there's a number of things that what you if, know what contribute if, yeah. to that, <laughs> and we'll actually get to that later. But just in terms of what it means to have a, a guy who can kind of straighten out that defense on the field, like a Peyton Pluer. Uh, like a Nick Begg, like a Jalen Thompson, that do they have that? You know, maybe and and this is the time that we're we're trying to see. You know, WSU's rebuttal. Who are those guys? What? How does how does this team respond to something like that? Um, and we, you know, we just need to kind of wait and let this thing play out and see who does emerge or who doesn't. And it's great that you know you have some wiggle room to find out who your leader is. But one guy we know for sure has to be that presence is Anthony Gordon. And you know yeah. he looks he looks like a nice tough guy in the press conference. You know stern face, um, saying we got to be better. It's 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 on me. Mm-hmm. Or he didn't really say it was on me. He just says it doesn't matter what I do, as long if the team doesn't win. And I think he did yeah. say like, I shouldn't have had the yeah. interception early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like he he gives the impression like he he gives the the perception I guess that he yeah. is. He he is a like I'm the locker room leader. I'm gonna be the one speaking at press conferences. I, he was I, designated for that because he's the quarterback. I will, like how impressed yeah. are you? How impressed? I will. I 100 percent agree with that. With your kind of assessment right there, I thought I thought Anthony Gordon handled that brilliantly because a number of things. One, he made no mention of his nine touchdown passes. He did not 
you know, erroneously placed the blame on himself trying to be the quarterback who's like, you know, oh, I'm going to take responsibility for for loss. You know, clearly it was not Anthony Gordon's fault that Washington State lost that game. Anyone observing could could tell you that. Um, but and and it was just, you know, just nice to see that that he wasn't going to try and go that far to, you know, take blame for something that wasn't his fault. He also did not place blame on uh, on the defense or anything like that. He highlighted the errors that his offense made. Yeah. He took the he took the the responsibility as as a team with his offense and said we we didn't take care of the ball. But you know what I'm highlighting here is that he did not bask in his glory, which you know what competitor would after a loss. But you know regardless, he still threw nine touchdowns. There, there's you know still some kudos to be given for that. And two, he didn't place the blame on the defense, which. I mean, to be honest, do you would you fault someone for saying, "Well, yeah, I do have a problem with uh, the defense giving up sixty-seven points to an offense who had averaged fourteen points a game"? You know, I, I yeah, because if you even would you get at it? that, then you could say, "Well, you gave us a short field with your interception to start the game that really kind of killed our." our that's flow true, but I mean, you know, the, regardless of and that, he would you have know, a lot to lose. I mean, he yeah, I mean, take that route because he, he, he could of take some of the blame for it. The, yeah, you know, the the tit for tat stuff. I, I get that, but Anthony, it was just good to see. Like who talked to the receivers? Was it Mike Leach? Was it you? Did you mention some of the receivers? Let's get it together. Like that's something that, like if if Anthony Gordon's gonna try and uh, put it, some of it on the defense, those are the questions that would come up. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, People I will be after him a little bit more. I just think it was good for him to not not even go in that direction. Not go. He really didn't go anywhere he didn't need to be, and that was what's positive in the face of a, a devastating loss like well, that. Well, here, here's what you Max know, to have that said. composure. Max Borgie definitely towed the line a little bit more, saying, yeah. you, know, you know, we work at ball security every single day, but at the end of practice, it, it is at the end of practice, mm-hmm. and it's almost like guys are just kind of going through the motions, it feels like. But the thing with ball security drills, it's, it's impossible to replicate like a true, like, like do or die situation in game where somebody's grabbing true. your legs and somebody's gang tackling you. Ball security drills in practice inherently are lazy. Like you, like the coaches not trying to knock the ball out after some, a lazy four yard uh, scrimmage run is it's not something that can really be practiced. Something that's inside of you. You know, it's something that uh, you, you got to develop it pretty quick here. Cause it's, yeah, I, I think, I think a couple things here. Yes, I do believe you're right that it is incredibly hard to try and replicate that. I do, however, think it is possible to be effective in working on ball security. Like, it's not impossible to coach someone on good Put ball security. Just, I don't care if you don't get the extra three or four yards. Yeah, but, but in more relation to what Max is saying, I think... It's interesting, and you know, WSU, Mike Leach, they're not ones to change a practice. They're, you know, their practices relatively look the same day in and day out. But kind of in the wake of this news and, and hearing it, you wonder if, if maybe you change that because just, you know, how things, I mean, think about any practice you've ever been a part of and, and um, at, at any level naturally the intensity at the end is going to be lower than what it is at the front. You know, 
I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of just whatever. And, you know, you, obviously you want to have consistent intensity, but just by nature, it's going to fall off more towards the end. By putting that in the back of the practice at the very end where, where guys are maybe trying to get out, what, you know, maybe do you look at a different, different angle? Or, I mean, conversely, does that say, well, hey, if you're taking it off at the very end, isn't that why you lost to UCLA, you know, in the second half because you you were scoreboard watching and you thought it was over and you weren't, Going you know, hard at the beginning. you weren't hard at the <laughs> yeah, beginning. Like you know, it's it tough. Up. Like, I, I'm sure that's the argument that Mike Leach would make. And you can't say he's wrong. And right now we're hearing the horror stories that Mike Leach is going to run this team into the ground this week during practice. Uh, it's going to be something that will, you know, make them... Like basically feel like is this even worth it? You know because of yeah. sorry how hard we're going right now. Uh, wh- I mean, what could you possibly do like in 2019 to kind of replicate that? Uh, you know, that I I don't know about I don't know about that. I I I feel like he has you know Once in terms of prevail, what cal- calms down a little bit. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like in terms of what we have seen from you know bleach explosions and, and saying you know we're gonna be making practice hell stuff like that i feel like this wasn't necessarily the case i mean he, there certainly was a different tone in his voice that he was you know he's expecting a little bit more but i i didn't get the sense that you know wsu is going to be running wind sprints for hours after you know i just don't i don't see that that kind of stuff um, happening. Not, I, I don't see how that's beneficial to anybody. Yeah, I, I say you're right about that. You got children. This is it's attention to detail stuff, you know. I I feel like, you know, and just what we were talking about, you know, finishing practice translates to finishing games. Um, however, I don't know if there's any proof of that. I would just say that's probably the theory behind it. Um, but you know, that's probably more what they're talking about. Just kind of the the nuances of their practices and getting more out of what they're putting in rather than putting in more. And outside of just the ball security, everybody's harping on the uh, poor tackling uh, and also the lack of pass rush. I mean, it was especially mm-hmm. evident against UCLA, Dorian Thompson Robinson looking like somebody that could uh, you know play in the NFL one day, and he, he very might. What? But <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, he, <laughs> he, he's only a sophomore. <laughs> if, he very if well if could he, uh, replicates these this production. And, you know, I personally really overlooked the first three games because, you know, you're 3-0. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, like, you know, you had a couple big rushing games like Houston at 239 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, New Mexico State had 96. Um, so uh, you know, I, it, Well, I mean, I think, I feel like did they only have 96. I thought they had more. And I know, I certainly know. Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado had like 200. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's certainly been an issue. Um since so, the beginning I mean, of the season. What's the biggest concern? Because this is a very experienced defense returning a lot of starters. Like, where is it going yeah. wrong right now? I think, I well, I think first, if I'm going to order these things, I'm going to look at it as the tackling overall across the defense is your highest concern. Your pass rush is the second concern. And then your secondary is the third concern. And, and let's, let's start with the top. The first is, you know, the tackling was significant, was was fairly bad, I will say. I won't say significantly bad. I'll say fairly bad for the first three weeks. But it wasn't bad enough for the Cougars to lose. So it's it's sort of, you know, you, you heard the disappointment about it, but it wasn't enough to make anyone angry or, or really, you know, incite emotion behind it. 
And then you finally see losing, you know, WCU losing at the hands of poor tackling. And granted, there were other mistakes, but you could start with that, I would say. Um, so I think really you, you want to put the tackling at the top. Second, and I think the pass rush is an issue, but it, it's kind of conflicting because. I was, you know, I was looking at the numbers earlier today, and and WCU they only have seven sacks right now through four games, which is good for about eighth, I believe, in in yeah. the conference. I think like first is like twelve though. So and yeah, like well, why it's not hard, it's, Oregon? It's not I think I think they have fifteen. Separation. Oregon yeah. is at the top, but last year I and again I don't know where they were at week four, but I know they were close to the top, and I know they ultimately finished at the top with thirty eight. So, I mean, <laughs> just doing some, you know, and obviously yeah, this is, piece. yeah, when you try and expand these numbers and, and it's not always accurate, but WCU, if they keep going at this pace, they're looking at ending about with 22, a little over 22 sacks. So 16 less sacks if they kept going at this pace. But conversely, WCU also has 19 quarterback hurries. They only had 26 last year. Granted, that's because they were actually sacking the quarterback a little bit more. But still, I mean, Oregon, who has 15 sacks, has about 17 quarterback hurries. So, I mean, that's up there in terms of being around the quarterback and, and causing pressure. But the the trouble is, is how do you weigh the difference between those two? Does that simply just mean... Does you know a lot of quarterback hurries and not a lot of sacks means you're just that close, or or how do you you know you you understand the question I'm trying to preface here is, is I just don't know what to make of it and I think it's it's interesting to follow because you know it it could just be that they're really close it could be that they're also creating a lot of pressure they're just not actually bringing the quarterback down QB hurries are that's an underrated stat because that just pretty much dis- well I think play. it's a I think it's a fairly arbitrary stat you know what does it actually mean I feel like you have to kind of treat each quarterback hurry on a case-by-case basis because couldn't in theory you hurry a quarterback to scramble and then he rushes for yards I mean rushes I, for yards also uh is, you know escapes the pocket could he be hurried and still field. throws and, and completes a pass so I mean like yeah you have to kind of look at these on a case-by-case basis and judging from how you know Mike Leach today kind of graded out his pass rush and saying that there's just not enough production there you'd think that he has assessed those quarterback hurries as not enough but you know I don't know if he was looking into it that deeply or not. I don't know. I'm I'm super interested about that and kind of watching that develop. And then third, the secondary. The secondary, I think, gets a tough rap here because just the nature of WCU's defense and, and the aggressiveness, and we, you know, we've talked about this a ton, that WCU cornerbacks in a sort and you know get put on islands in essence. A lot of cover one, you know, single high safeties, uh, not a lot of help over the top at times, blitzing a lot. So when you're getting put on, when you're getting put on an island as a defensive back, and you're not getting to the quarterback, 
I mean, yeah, you're you're gonna give up big plays, yeah, the, and, and the that was kind of so. yeah, and that was kind of the thing last year is they were actually getting to the quarterback enough, so the the secondary, while yes, they 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 did have their troubles here and there, they're able to to rel- by and large get the job done. This year, we're not really seeing that because they're not getting to the quarterback. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is I sort of see the problems in the secondary as a product of not getting to the quarterback as much. It's still Armani Marsh and Armani Marsh and Marcus Strong. Are there, no, Derek Langford. Derek Langford, Derek Langford has, has started for at least, I think what's now three of the four weeks. Yeah. Might be, might be two. I th- can't I th- remember. I was feeling like I wasn't seeing Marsh out there too much. Yeah. It was more Derek Langford and, and Hicks. Hicks will play as well. Mm-hmm. George Hicks, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, some some nice things though is uh, like you know Esau Winston scored four touchdowns and which tied the WSU receiving record. Yeah, with Gabe uh, Marks. But the thing is, I mean, I mean, that is arguably as impressive or more than Max Borgie's big game, you know. Uh, but it barely gets a mention. Yeah. So yeah. when the receivers and the running back play at their best, uh, you know, WCU can put up a lot of points. So it it's got to be some comfort in knowing. That if you just you know tighten the screws on defense, I mean Max Borg is not going to be slowing down anytime soon. This WSU receiver room is as, as good as any in the Pac-12 right now. Um, yeah, it, well, it, it has got to be a, like a more rosy outlook than I, the tackling. Problems. You know, and I think I think Mike Leach gave the the most rosy outlook that you can possibly give this game while still being accurate. And, and he basically said, "Was look, if we play the way we did in the first half." There's not a team in the country that can beat us. If we play like we did in the second half, every team in the country can beat us. It was that night well, and luckily, day that difference. Well, that second half performance is not sustainable. I mean, it's not yeah. something that you can just replicate even if you tried. Yeah, that includes I the turnovers. Mean, that includes all the missed tackles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you know. It's really hard. I, and I think and, yes. he was, he was, that was a very accurate quote and, and you know, a very Mike Leach and very accurate. And, and so, you know, that's kind of what I make of it in that game. And when people ask, well, what were the positive takeaways? Well, they played about two and a half, maybe I I would say safely two good quarters of football. That was the good takeaway. Um, but what I also thought was interesting is uh, Chip Kelly, he had a quote after the game. And I don't have that. Well, actually, no, I think I give me one second. I, I do have the quote. And it is. Do you have it in paper form? <laughs> yes, I do, actually, I, because I, I still have it from the notes after the game, yeah. and I just reached over to grab it. Okay. He said this, quote, I'll tell you what helped us. Our schedule helped us because we played 12 four, full quarters coming into this game. Some other players do not play 12 full quarters, and when you do play a, 12, a full 12 quarters and are battle-tested like our guys, I think that showed up today. So even if you're getting your ass kicked for 12 quarters, you're still putting your That's what I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was also saying. And I think the flip side of it would be, well, wait a minute. Those were not 12 full quarters from Oklahoma. Like those were, that was a solid half. And the rest of it was just, you know, that was think- essentially, you know, that was Northern Colorado and New Mexico State to Oklahoma. And, <laughs> but I don't know. Is there, is there merit to that statement? That despite, you know, despite the, the fact that they were getting blown out, the fact that they were playing a full game 
and had I mean I don't you know I don't know how to properly characterize it. Hey, when but you have a was point, there a difference there? I don't know. When you have a point one percent chance of winning, there's really no way to put a like a hierarchy on like what you have to do to reach the top, basically. Uh, yeah. Back. So, all right. So uh, got Utah coming up right now. Uh, how confident are you going into uh, going into Salt Lake City? Well, if you do remember in, from the Gauntlet episode, I did say that this would be the first loss of WSU's season. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this is the first one. Yeah, so I was obviously wrong about that, but I, I don't know. I mean, I still, I, I'm gonna stand by it. I think I said it was gonna be a field goal. I think it was gonna be a field goal difference. Can't remember exactly. But I'm going to stick with it um, because for like the reasons I was just saying, like this is a huge game for both sides. Like Utah, still a really good team. And still, I mean, unless there are four teams who run the table this season, still definitely in the conversation for for, uh, college football playoffs. As much as people want to say there's no way because they lost to USC. I mean, I would say... U or or UW is still in it. Oregon's still in it. All those one loss teams, um, probably not WSU. Just knowing the way WSU gets uh, scheduled in bowl games, but I mean, still the same goes. If they won, if they won out, won the conference and won the championship game, you know, they'd probably do it as a as a one win team. So it's a huge game for them, and just where their uh, season has been projected so far, and making sure they keep that intact. I don't know. I at home, it's been well documented how tough Rice Eccles is to play at. You know, I I think I think it's going to be well. What, and what is interesting is whether Tyler Huntley plays or not because we've seen how and I wouldn't say effective. Effective is probably not not the right word, but I, I guess serviceable that offense can be to complement the defense when Huntley is when Huntley is in, and then how big of just an eyesore it can be when he's out. <laughs> You know, so I mean, we'll see. But I, th- I think, uh, I think Utah's gonna gonna take it. You want to talk about, uh, you know, playing for championships? We found out uh, this uh, actually today where the high school football state championship games are going to be played, and uh, mm-hmm. like I believed, it was going to be at three different sites. Unfortunately, no Seattle Memorial Stadium. Uh, yeah, wait, what, what, what were your guesses? What were your predictions again? Didn't you, I, I predicted you... Seattle Memorial Stadium. I had Pop Keeney in there, and then I had an Eastside uh, Stadium. I said I, Tomlinson was going to be okay. Going, yeah, uh, for like probably a smaller oh, school. Yes, game. yes, yes, yes. I, rem- I recall. I recall. Now, well, I'm, what are, what are your thoughts on these new venues? I, I like two of them. Um, I I don't have a problem playing it at a high school. I kind of like that frozen tundra. You know, playing a state title game outside in mm. December. Uh, some people might call it unhealthy because of yeah. you know, playing on a hard turf, but I mean, I don't really see a difference between playing November 29th, the state semifinals outside, and then December 7th. Uh, that's that's an eight. That's like an eight-day difference. But uh, basically, if you're gonna play out- outdoors the week before, it's probably gonna be about the same the next week. So well, it's kind of I, hypocritical to say now it's dangerous because it's one week later. I don't think the danger is necessarily the problem. I just do think there there is something interesting about playing a championship game in weather. You know, that just that just isn't really done. Because uh, every big game, every championship game is in a dome. And granted, high school football, it is tough to find a dome to play in. Um, but, venue. you know, and it to me, I feel like the WIA was going cheap here. Well, 
they did that because they, they just wanted to avoid like cramming four games into one high school, you know, with the with the But I mean how and I don't understand how Pop Keeney did not make the cut. Yeah, it's uh it's it's probably financial. I I <laughs> In fact, I demand an answer. I want to know <laughs> if it was money related. I like what is there has to be something because it's owned by the school district. You'd think that it couldn't have been that, you know, that ridiculous of a price tag. If there was a price tag, I mean, it's all this. Isn't it all t- in theory the same the same body, the WIA, the school district? I mean, isn't that all kind of state owned state ent- state entities? Pop Keeney Stadium, I mean, that's NSD property. But that's a state. The, the N- NSD is a state entity. Oh, yeah. I, I, WIA is not, it's not, I mean, it's a, you know, it's an organization. That's a government body for I, high school I, football, no, which is part uh, of. I think, I, obviously, it's like it's a, like a you know, non-for-profit organization, but I mean, they run by their own rules, basically. I don't think they really are regulated by the government. That's yeah. It's like a fair. it's like it's like the NCA. Like they're not really affiliated with the government. They're just they're just kind of an overlooking organization. Yeah, though no, you're 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 probably right about that. Um, schools can choose to be part. But of I you know it just seems part. bizarre because and I th- I think what I saw what I th- and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I saw Ryland tweet that he he said that the Bothell game, one of the Bothell quarterfinal games, was played. In the 4A oh, you, venue, Jackson, you remember that game against Bellarmine Prep? Um, yeah, was that think, the, was that did ser, was that a sermon? Yeah, no, that was a Bowers game. Bowers? No, 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 no. was that that game? No, I think th- I thought I thought he said this was last year. Can't remember. Oh, okay. But he the the tweet said that there were a lot of parents complaining about I mean, yeah the venue at, and like the how it didn't support the number of people that were going to be there. Well, you just look at. I mean, it's not the how part- on earth. <laughs> Should this venue be able to support a championship game if it can't support a quarterfinal game? Well, well, it's not even you know just like because it's a championship game compared to a quarterfinal game. It's a four A game, and the home side is brilliant. I'll drop you a link to it. I'll drop you a link to what the uh, home side. Well, looks I don't. Like. I mean, yeah, but that's irrelevant if the, the game if sucks. this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shouldn't someone have to answer for this? Like, what's the plan? Yeah, well, nobody's accountable with the <laughs> with this with this organization right now. So, uh, they they're gonna they're out to find a way to cram a lot of people into a tiny away bleacher. Shoot, I'm trying to Man. find a, a photo of the away bleachers right now, but you can you can believe me when I say that it is not the same. <laughs> oh, here That's... we go. Here's a good aerial shot of it. This will kind of show you like what the visitors are going to deal with. So if like Lake Stevens or Woodenville or Puyallup show up or something like that, like Camus. Yeah. I mean, if, when, when they show up, you know, I don't, and I just think it's tough. You know, people love just sitting there and watching these state title games in sequential order, just all all day long, basically from like 9am till 7pm when the uh, last game kicks off. And yeah, do you see the yeah. difference between the two sides right now? Yeah, no, I do. So, so it's I mean, if it's totally fine in the regular season because nobody really travels for away games. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Five thousand people into. Stadium. I feel like this really isn't my cross to bear, but perhaps Micah, this is an opportunity for you to raise some questions or Ryland to raise some questions. Like, what is the plan here? How do they expect to to be holding people if you know what Ryland was saying is true that they couldn't support a quarterfinal game? Like how it and I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm misreading his tweets. 
But it seemed like he was disappointed with the it's selection. Probably, if you just look at the overall capacity of the Mount High, Tahoma High School Stadium, it can te- technically hold everybody. It just the problem is, is that what, some of the how much is everybody? Gonna, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be a few thousand people, which this stadium theoretically can hold. It's just that people want to be on the side of their team. Uh, so if you stuck some of the visitors on the home side, it's likely you could fit everybody in. Like everybody could have their own seat, basically. Uh, the problem is, is that uh, <laughs> no, like I said, if you're if you're on the visitor side, you don't want to go to the home side to watch the state title game. You'd rather stay with uh, your fans your, and your community. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a little more upset. Like, cause the other two stadiums, like the bleachers are fine, like for both sides. Uh, I don't like the track well, around the field for uh, all these yeah, sides. I, I think, think that, that's that's a big that, separation. Didn't um, what was the venue that the three A one got? Didn't they get a good one? Uh, like, I think Sparks Stadium. No, Sparks no, 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 isn't no, no, that a yeah, two or three at Spark Stadium. Yep, that's I, like where the PL PL Vikings play. Shoot, I'm I'm trying to remember the the one issue that I I also really took with this is I was thinking like I used to be in the high school football scene. Like I used to go to the big games on weekends, and I had never heard of any of these venues. Well, yeah, until now. But I mean, still, like I went to big games. Like I traveled a little bit to go to the nice stadiums you didn't and travel sixty miles <laughs> south. <laughs> okay, maybe true, yeah. But I, I don't know, man. I just like at least I feel like I would have heard of them. Yeah, the stadiums. Although I had heard of Sparks, I feel like yeah, Sparks Stadium just... is by far the most prominent. <laughs> How did the three A get Carry that? Why is I just don't, I don't get what's going on here. This seems so unorganized people will have a tough decision to make because they're all hopping on the same day and you only get to watch like literally you're only going to be able to watch two of the six state title games uh 1b4a will be at mount tahoma 2b1a at harry lang and 2a3a at spark stadium like out of those three options like which is the one you gravitate towards as probably the most exciting match uh matchups and classification i think there's a number of problems with that first of all the one that you mentioned before the fact that it's not you have to decide you can't watch yeah oh my all gosh. of them you no, have you, to decide you, you can probably stream it on your phone but i don't know if Roots uh, like. <laughs> second that they made the distinction of one and four and two and three like well, in no, that, what that's, that's on what foot planet you always put the one b game before the four a game because you put the three a what game. so we can give the one the one a game the charity of the four a game like that's just ridiculous yeah, like, a, like a pre-show no 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 because it's just foot traffic it's people getting in and out uh it's easier to to uh evacuate oh. a one b crowd and then shove a four a crowd in there than to take freaking three a you know, Eastside Catholic fans and logistically that fans. makes a ton of sense. You How- yeah, yeah, <laughs> I will say, I will yeah, say, when you say that, that does make a ton of sense. But to the for the sake of the fan experience, everyone wants to watch the three and four A. Sorry, one A, two A. But See, no, I mean, that's, what, that's where I a select audience cares the about. The best you guys. combo would be two A, four A. Those, are, those oh. are actually the competitive conferences. What? Oh, Jackson, you want to are see Eastside Catholic about? win fifty nine nothing in a state? I, I do. I do want to watch the best team in the state play. Yes, <laughs> I, I do want to watch well, that. You have fourteen chances you... to this year. You actually have fifteen because they... no, I don't. I, I I don't have those Eastside opportunities. Catholic has like half their games on ESPN. Okay, I didn't know that, but I'm just saying that makes zero sense to me. That the the two marquee games. You have to decide between which one you want to watch. 
that's just that's mind boggling yeah, to me. To three and I would understand why anyone who has a complaint about this is upset. It's not great, uh, but I'm just glad we know now. And it is. Uh, I actually I wasn't contemplating it too much and, until I found out today. Uh, well, yeah, like I don't I think anyone. Yeah, I think there will. As far as the on-field product, I think there will be a certain charm to, like I said, a frozen tundra state title game. <sighs> I, you know, it's going to we'll be find scenic. Out. Um, you know, you see the player's breath. You know, it's it's. I I think it's going to be a little more magical. We um, will find out. I will tell no, you. No, that's I, that's what's going to happen. It's gonna, it's going to be a little more. It's going to be a little more unique, new, fresh. It'll be new. That's as pretty much about as much as we know. <laughs> I feel like you're kind of expecting this romantic, cold weather, you know, thrilling game, but it doesn't always work out like that. You know, players might I mean, get sick. <laughs> there are just there are just miserable cold weather games, you know that that is a lot of the times the case. But I don't know. I I think it's just I think there's a lot to be concerned about with that and all that because you know it's just not giving part of what is great about that those that weekend is being able to to watch all the games and, and being you know everyone gets the spotlight for their game you know we don't have to pick and choose yeah and and people don't have to be cold in the stands but now they will have to that's true so you you gotta really love it and uh i think a lot i wonder if that'll do anything at the box office you know like of course it will (laughs) the fact that like kind of the you know the average half the states can be like oh it's the impartial fan no we know where these games are going to be played but you know the average casual person is going to go wait why is the Tacoma Dome so empty? Usually it's like getting pretty hyped up this time of year. Yeah. So, th- I mean, obviously you can do a little background research to kind of put the pieces together. But, I mean, yeah, that, anytime you move off site, it's going to kill It's gonna kill a certain percentage of people that were just used to that routine, you know. Uh, yeah. First Saturday of December, let's get out to the Tacoma Dome. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I definitely do think. Because the people hate – I mean, I hate being outside in November. I hate being outside right now. True that, dude. The weather, uh, the weather in this, this state freaking sucks. Yeah, yeah, but it's, um, it's, it's this is abrupt. But can we talk about Idaho and eastern Washington? Yeah, I'd love Because, I, I mean, first of all, I guess you probably pay a little more attention to eastern Washington than I do. But – is this is this the end? Is this the beginning of the end, or or what? I mean, obviously, yeah. Idaho, you know, they have a bad reputation, and you know, they they have their own controversies. And you think that like a program like that, even on its best day, wouldn't be able to unseat Eastern on its worst day? Yeah. Eastern did miss a lot of personnel, like like honestly, like especially on the defensive side. You know, both of their corners were out. Both of their inside linebackers were out. Justice Warren wasn't playing. I mean, they were really kind of injury plagued, and that's not going to be an excuse, of course. But I mean, this is this is a few games in a row now uh, where uh, they haven't gotten the job done, especially on the defensive side. Uh, But you know, Barrier, you know, his offense, uh, you know, putting up zero points for like the first two and a half quarters, being down twenty-eight nothing. It's a little alarming. Uh, the running game is being plagued with injuries right now. You know, Tamaric Pierce isn't participating. Um, Dennis Merritt's out for the season. Antoine Custer is another guy we thought, oh, he'll just be like Sam McPherson. And it just hasn't come together for him yet. And there's, there's really no excuse with that awesome offensive line, you know, having like three six-year seniors and a couple All-Americans. Uh, it, sh- it should be a dream scenario. Yeah. I think what is even more awesome about that game or the Eastern Washington Idaho game 
is just these comments that were coming from Idaho post-game. And this has been a developing conversation, but is this the beginning of an Eastern Washington-Idaho rivalry? And, I mean, goodness. Like, let's hear. I think it is technically the let's, rivalry game. Let's because, look at this. Well, because in the Big Sky... Uh, you rotate opponents except for two teams that are your rivals, which you play every season. For the longest time, it was Eastern Washington versus Montana and Eastern Washington versus Portland State. But ever since Idaho joined the Big Sky when you know, they, they, they left uh, the FBS level, um, Idaho was assigned to Eastern as their primary rival, which pissed a lot of Eastern fans off because you want to play Montana every year. That's a special game. Um, that's the one that uh, a lot of people look forward to the most because those are two very storied programs. So yeah, you'll be seeing Idaho versus Eastern a lot because technically it is their rival. I guess, but I mean, have you have you read any of the quotes? Have you seen any of them from, from uh, coming the Idaho from, coaching staff? from Paul Petrino, players? I mean, everyone. I know they're they're basically saying like we're proving everybody wrong right now. We have a competent team. We have a competent quarterback. Well, I so this story, courtesy of the great John Blanchett of the Spokesman Review, some of these quotes from here quote. From Chris linebacker Idaho linebacker Christian Ellis, we wanted to destroy them. We wanted to bury them and put them in the dirt. Um, well, I mean, does Eastern wanted to do the same thing to them? Like, what's, and what's then this that? is Paul Petrino talking about the quotes coming from Eastern Washington after their Jackson Jacksonville State game. I don't know why it bugged me, he said, but hearing them talk about that we played one of the best FCS teams we'll play all year. That struck a couple of us the wrong way. Of course, that meaning Eastern Washington talking about Jacksonville State. Like, did you, Paul Petrino, did you think that you are one of the best FCS teams that Eastern Washington will play? Like, well, I think another way to interpret I just think, that is we well, played one of the best teams we'll play all year. Like, this period, I just think like, it's it's hilarious that like Paul Petrino, like, do you know who you are, Paul Petrino? Like, yeah, your the, team has the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I I just think it's so silly. I you know. Gosh, but you you have to admit that this in just kind of injects so much fuel into this game for next year. And I mean, shoot, if if Idaho, what is I don't I don't even know Idaho's record right now. But if they made the well, playoffs, that would State, be lost to uh, beat Central, and then they and lost then the, now, the game. So they're like two and three right now, or two and two right now. Two and two. Yeah, I mean, shoot, that would be unbelievable if we saw a playoff matchup between those two. Um, and do you, do you quite like, honestly, like, I like, feel like Paul Petrino might be doing this to save his job, just to get a uh, start a, a rivalry, start you know, incite some sort of passion into the Idaho fan base. I don't know. Do you, do you like the Kibbe Dome? Uh, I mean, I like it for Idaho's venue. I don't think it's like a particularly flattering venue by any <laughs> it's means. Definitely not. No. But I mean, for for what it is for Idaho, I think it's a great venue. It's unique for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's good for Central if Idaho is considered an equal. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, hey, I don't, by I don't the transit of by the transit of property, yeah. By no, the transit yeah. of property, does this mean that Central Washington could Uh-oh. now hang with Eastern? Well, now we got to get into Central. I don't um, know. I don't well, know. yeah. Well, basically, what I was meant to say. Then we'll get to Central right now in a second. Uh, basically, like it's not good for Eastern if Idaho is considered or equal because <laughs> they have a much higher ambition uh, than to be fighting off Idaho in their quest to win a national championship. Uh, but yeah, like you're saying, like Idaho only beat Central Washington by 10 points. Uh, but this is not good. You know what happened with Central uh, this past weekend when they went to Western New Mexico, won 36-27. Uh, 
but the problem is, you know, they were down 17-7 uh, almost halfway through the game, and Western New Mexico came into this matchup on a 12-game losing streak. So, if, I mean, if it's one thing to lose to Idaho. That's justifiable. But to, lose, to be in this much of a dogfight with Western New Mexico... Came back and won. Came, came back and won with uh, Ken Racanelli kind of stepping up a little bit towards the end. It was a quarterback rotation in the first half. Christian Moore went two for nine, threw one touchdown pass. Uh, so they had to take him out of there, basically, because outside of that touchdown pass, he wasn't being very productive. So you're telling me... So what you're telling me... Well, I think you're going to learn something right here. They had a quarterback rotation in the first half. Yes. Essentially. And they were losing. And then the second half, they went with Cannon Racanelli outright, and they came back and won. That's yeah. what you're telling me, correct? Yeah, they were. Uh, they only they were only down at halftime by three points, so they were technically losing, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like they, they were getting demolished in the first quarter. Uh, I just the, I think the point would be. Can, yeah, Cannon Racanelli is turned this around. is this you know. But quarterback you at, you by committee necessary. When, why um, why are we doing this? Why when, don't uh, we just go with one? Because when Fer- when uh, Cannon Racanelli was starting the second half, one for eight against Ferris State, and then uh, Christian Moore comes in and throws a couple touchdown passes, uh, changes the dynamic pretty quickly. So God, I guess I just feel like those are decisions that need to get made in the week. You know, that's a decision to be made Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Not Saturday at half. I mean, I get, I get Let's that. The I do understand when a quarterback is just not playing well, and a, a coach has to make that decision. Do we go to our backup? And I get that. But for how many times it's happened for Central Washington early on in the season, like you got to make a decision at some point and just ride with it. You know, See, you can't let this pretty, indecisiveness keep lingering. The indecisiveness lingering. is inconsequential when you're playing Western New Mexico next week. They got Western Oregon at home. Uh, and well, it almost proved to be consequential consequential yeah. against New Mexico. You had this feeling that eventually Central's just higher well, I had program. A f- I had a feeling that WSU was going to hold out <laughs> against UCLA, but uh, unfortunately, feelings don't get you very far. Yeah, you know, I guess. Like, yeah, you're right. Because if Western New Mexico did end up. Uh, winning that game, that would be just as big of a shocker as... <laughs> I mean, that seriously, that'd be on that level of uh, UCLA coming back against WSU. What you're saying applies when they play West Texas A&M on the road, when they play Azusa Pacific. Um, that's actually about it. When they play Azusa Pacific and West Texas A&M. The rest of the games, I don't think it really matters if they do a rotation, if they do a four-quarterback rotation. They'll probably pull it out against uh, Simon Fraser in Western Oregon. Well... Unless they lose, so I mean, <laughs> shoot, like that's that's always the conversation, you know. We sit here and we say, how could they lose? How possible? How could it happen? And then it happens, and then you're like, why did it happen? Well, let's look at the problems we were talking about that were never addressed. I think that you know, if Christian Moore actually performed up to expectations, especially in that first half, uh, we, we we would probably have seen a continued rotation. Uh, and this, yeah, the quarterback competition is going to go on as long as it needs to happen because there's absolutely no way to guarantee anything. Unhealthy. That is unhealthy. It's definitely but uneasy. <laughs> I am not a coach. I am not Coach Fisk. I will let him control that team however he chooses to do so. And as a loyal fan of the Washington football scene, I will support him in that decision. Too young. But guys. I don't know. 
two young, I don't know. experienced guys. They're not. Uh, they're not going to be. They're never going to be Riley Hennessy. Never going to be Riley Hennessy. And that's just the fact. I mean, how how old are they? How what years are uh, they? Redshirt freshman and redshirt sophomore. Okay, so maybe maybe let's pump the brakes on who they will and won't be. But you know, I do feel pretty confident though that I mean, Riley Hennessy being a Division One prospect for uh, coming out of high school and you know playing for Eastern. Uh, it's just it's hard to get a guy of that late caliber. bloomers, man. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with being, late bloomers. Nothing wrong yep. with being uh, close to Riley Hennessy at least. But yeah, so that's going to continue on. Western Oregon, that's going to happen. Uh, you know, this week I'll probably check out the first half of that one, but then I gotta you know watch this WC Utah game right after that. Uh, all right, that does it for this week in Washington football. As far as you know, talking about. Um, WSU Eastern Central. Uh, we're going to try and get Luke Monger on later in the week to kind of talk about some of the storylines around UW right now. Keep a close eye on that. Uh, for all the latest news and analysis, uh, check us out on social media, Twitter at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke Monger, and at Jackson M. Garner. For myself and Jackson, we are signing off. Thank you guys for listening.